There's a title for you, Facing 2024 with Confidence, Part 1. And obviously there's a Part 2, which is next week. And there's a title for you, The Comfort of the Spirit. The Comfort of the Spirit. Well, I don't know about you. I said this earlier, but I always get to the end of every year and I say something like, Wow, what a year it's been. So it's the 31st of December, 2023. Wow, what a year it's been. Some of you have shared a highlight, a low light. Some of you have shared a a scripture that you're holding on to. I know that for many of you sitting here this morning, 2023 has been quite a year. We saw some of the worldly highlights, didn't we, on that particular video. A little bit closer to home, we had a bitter yet failed referendum in Australia On a lighter note, did you know that we have a new mayor? We have a new horse in Bustleton. It's a mayor. Um, I don't actually know his name. Anyway, lost that one. Did you know the Magpies won the flag in 2024? I wonder what uh, 23. I wonder what 2024 is going to bring. But I do need to get this off my chest. I'm aware. Where are you? Of at least one person here that has a ticket to Taylor Swift's concert. In 2024, where are you? Where's that hand? I'm coming for you. Oh, what a year it's going to be for some people. I'm sure you'll agree with that statement. Christians can face 2024 with confidence. Is that, would we get a hearty amen to that? I, I doubt that anybody here would disagree with that statement. But here's the question I want to answer this morning. What is the basis of our confidence in 2024? What's the basis? On what basis can we have confidence to face an uncertain 2024? Romans 8, 26, 27, and Romans 8, 28, next week onwards, are going to help us answer that question. God says, comfort, comfort my people in Isaiah 40 verse 1. And my prayer is that before we're done this morning, that you will have been deeply comforted as you hear God speaking to you. Here's my first heading. As Christians, we can face 2024 with complete confidence Because of the indwelling spirit. Because of the indwelling spirit. Now, if you've got your Bible open and you've got the NIV heading at the end of Romans 7.25, it's actually quite a helpful heading because it says life in the spirit at the start of Romans 8. And that's what the Christian life is. It's life in, through, and with the spirit. As uh, Reformed, Evangelicals, Conservatives, I hope you know your Latin this morning. This is the the Reformation cry. I, I don't think we actually often ponder enough the work of the Spirit in our lives. We can be so wrapped up in that salvation is by 
faith alone, sola fide. It's through Christ alone, sola Christus. It's through grace alone, sola gratia. It's through scripture alone, sola scriptura. It's through sola dea gloria, to the glory of God alone. And my little addition, it is sola spiritus. I'm not sure if that's actually Latin. Um, It's through, I I didn't check it. I, I just made it up. It's through the life of the Spirit. I don't think my Latin's that far off. Just back up with me to Romans 8 verse 9. Here's the context. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Now, just the first thing, just note the triune nature of that verse. Do you see it? You see that the Spirit of God is the the Spirit of Christ that, that lives in you. But here's the thing. For those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, God has granted His Spirit, which is the Spirit of Christ, which is the Spirit of the Father, to live in them. I want to show you something remarkable. Paul picks this up um, in, in Ephesians 1.13. In Ephesians 1.13, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, I want you to look at verse 14 and look at that word, deposit. It says the Holy Spirit is a deposit. I'll teach you some Greek. It's the Greek word for deposit is the word arabon. Arabon, which means, does anybody know in modern Greek? It actually means an engagement ring. An engagement ring. Now, I, in 2023, had the privilege of marrying. I didn't marry them, but you know what I mean. I, you get my drift. I married Patrick and Sharon. Are they here? Where's Patrick and Sharon? They're somewhere over there. Um, I, I, I think it was Sarah and Caleb. Was it this year? I think so. I don't know. And we get lost in there. Uh, I think Jack. I've seen Jack. Jack, it's coming up in 2024. Where's Jack? He was here. Oh, Briley, you're getting married in 2024. Yay. Excited? Yay. Not sure. Okay. Um, Emily, Emily, you're getting married in 2024. Super excited. Yeah, sure. And it, Chris and Monica, are you here? Hi, there you are, you two. Hello. Getting married this year as well. They're all the way from Wagen, by the way. So please make them feel very welcome as they've come into civilization from out there somewhere. Now, sorry, in every single case, and I hope this is the case, in every single place, when a marriage proposal is made, what's given? An engagement ring. So can you flash your, those of you that got rings on, yeah, no, oh, did Joy ask you to marry her? Is that the way it worked? No, okay. Um, But in every single case, a a marriage proposal is given, and a ring is, is, is put onto the finger. I think sometimes women ask men to marry them. Is that okay? Is that okay? Don't worry. Let's not get distracted. Here's the point. When you trust in Jesus, Jesus gives you his spirit as an engagement ring. The Holy Spirit is a, a pledge, a deposit, a promise. 
It's an engagement ring in your heart that one day the marriage is going to be consummated. One day it's going to be in culmination, in glory, face to face, in resurrection with the Lord. And, and the Holy Spirit is a ring that can never be taken off. Engagements can be broken. Engagement rings can be taken off. But not the Lord's. When you accept his marriage proposal, he puts a ring, the Spirit, into your heart. And you are his. So in 2024, child of God, as you head into this new year in a few hours' time, you enter an uncertain year with the certainty that God's Spirit, Christ's Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, it means you are united to Christ by his Spirit. Now, here's the difference this makes. Let's go back to Psalm 139, and I've added a few bits in there of my own so that you can feel this. So, so David, when he's writing this psalm, looking forward, looking forward to the time, of course, when we would have the Spirit, he asks, where can I go from your Spirit? And the answer is, nowhere. Where can I flee from your Spirit? I can't. If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, you're there. If I settle on the far side of the sea, you're there. Even your... Even there your, heart, your, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast because you live in me. Now the fancy theological word for God being everywhere all of the time is the word omnipresence. But that's, that is not what this psalm is talking about for Christians. God is everywhere by his Spirit. But what the psalm is saying is that God deeply dwells within us in a personal way by His Spirit, not in some sort of impersonal way out there. So wherever we've been, Christian, in 2023, and wherever we're going in 2024, Christ is with us because He lives in us. So, child of God, where you've been this last year, whatever the circumstances have been, however hard it has been, Christ by His Spirit has been right there with you. Christian, wherever you're going in 2024, wherever He's leading you in 2024, no matter where it is, no matter how hard it is, no matter how hard it might be, whatever difficult circumstances are coming along, He is right there with you because He is where? He's in you. He lives in you by His Spirit. It's been one of those years. It really has. I started preparing this message a, a little while ago. And how it normally works is I, I start preparing my messages on a Monday morning. And I picked this up a little while ago and I started preparing. But on the Sunday night before, I'd had a little, very little sleep. And I was awake most of the night 
lying on the, on the couch in our lounge in our home in the darkness most of the night. I felt a little bit like, like the psalmist in Psalm 88 when he said that the darkness was his closest friend. Much was swirling around my heart and my mind. I was, I was grieving the heartache of my prodigal. I was battling the remnants of my, of my, of my anxieties. It probably wasn't helpful that I just watched a movie on the Port Arthur Massacre. Coupled with images of, of the Israeli Hamas thing going on and lying there in the darkness, there was no light. It was completely dark. And it was, a, it was one of those poignant moments of feeling so alone in that darkness. But Psalm 139, 11. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, which is what it felt like. And the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For the darkness is as light to you. Why? Because you live in me. You see, right there in that darkness, in the turmoil of my emotions, in the turmoil of my, my thoughts and my feelings, the Lord was right there with me. And I was not alone. Do you know why the Lord can never leave you, Christian? Do you know why? Do you know why he can't forsake you? Do you know why he can't abandon you? Do you know why he can't let you go? Do you know why his love can never be separated from you? Do you know why? Because his spirit lives in you. That's how you know. Familiar words, aren't they? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Remember these words, I'm sure, in, from Jesus himself. In John 14, 18, he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will, I will come to you. Christian, Jesus has come to us by his Spirit. We are not orphans. We are not alone. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Never will I abandon you. This is the comfort of closeness as we head into an uncertain 2024. We can have complete confidence going into 2024 because we have His indwelling Spirit. But there's a second. We can have complete confidence as Christians heading into 2024 because the indwelling Spirit is not just indwelling, but the Holy Spirit is a praying Spirit. A praying Spirit. 26, 27 of Romans 8. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes, prays for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit prays, intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. 
The indwelling spirit is a praying spirit. And just to say up front, friends, this doesn't have anything to do with speaking in tongues. But rather that the spirit who dwells within us is a praying spirit. And I also want to say that what I'm about to share with you this morning, we are wading deep into waters of deep mystery. But I hope by the end of it, you're going to come out with some deep comfort. As, as we look back over 2023, I am sure there have been times for you, because there's been times for me like this, when you've wanted to pray, but you can't pray. You had that experience? And those times when you're unable to pray, they're usually because you're facing a time of deep personal crisis or a deep personal loss, or you're wrestling with a life decision, or, 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 or perhaps even at a time when you're wrestling intensely with the sins of the flesh. Now, I do not know how to explain the unexplainable of verse 26 and 27, but what it's telling me is that the Spirit of God who lives in us cries out for us, prays for us, intercedes for us, goes to the Father, Abba Father, when we can't even pray. Here's how Tim Keller put it in his commentary on Romans. He said, when human vocabulary proves insufficient, the language of the Spirit doesn't. When we feel too weak to act like children of God, confidently approaching our Abba, the Spirit helps us. When we feel we have no words to pray, we do not need to feel that we cannot pray. There have been times in 2023 when I have not been able to pray. And I know there are going to be times in 2024 when I can't pray. I share this with you with, uh, with permission. This year, most of 2023, I, I've walked from a distance alongside Aaron and Emma in Ireland. Aaron is uh, Warren Bennett's brother who's at the back there. Aaron has a son. His name is Joshua, age four. He was diagnosed with liver cancer and has endured arduous cycles of chemo and all the sickness and all the heartache that that brings. There were times I couldn't even pray as I heard about the constant fevers and the vomiting that was going on. I groaned without words, but the Spirit prayed for me. I forget what day it was. I, I don't know, maybe a fact check on this one, but... In one of the days on the news, I'm sure I heard this right, that in the Israeli-Hamas war, on one particular day, there were 600 bombs dropped on the same place. 600 bombs. Watching that carnage and watching that chaos, how do we pray? How do you pray? We groan and the Spirit groans with us, in us. How do you pray? When you watch someone you love literally going down a road of self-destruction and every time the phone rings, you fear the worst. How do, you, how do I pray? I can't. I groan. I cry. The Spirit prays for me. How do you pray 
when so many times you've asked the Lord to take this thing away, that, that messenger of Satan or that thing that you've got, whatever it is, you've asked the Lord so many times to take it away and he doesn't take it away. How do you pray? How do you pray? The Spirit prays. Notice verse 27. Notice it says that the Spirit prays or intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now we're trying to grasp something here that's unfathomable. But what the Scripture says is that the Spirit within us that knows us and the Spirit that knows God because it's God's Spirit, the Spirit hears our groans in and beneath and under our words or lack of words, and somehow supernaturally, mysteriously, the Spirit is praying to our Father for us. Here's how Douglas Moo, he put it this way. He said, there is also an intercessor in the heart, the Spirit of God who effectively prays to the Father on our behalf throughout all the difficulties and uncertainties of our lives on earth. I hope that you realize this morning that most of the time we simply don't know how to pray because we don't know what God's will is, do we? I mean, if, if it's not directly revealed in Scripture like thy shalt not or whatever, we, we really don't know what God's, we, God's will is. We, we don't know how to pray. For example, I've prayed so many times for little Joshua to be healed, but I don't know if that's God's will for him to be healed. I pray for a relationship to be restored, but I don't know if that's God's will that it will be restored. You may pray and ask God, should I take this house? Should I take this job? Should I marry this person? Should I go there? Should I do this and do that? But we don't even know what God's will is in that stuff. God does not write his will on the clouds like, hey, here it is. What do we do? We groan, we wrestle, we fight, we ask now, here's what this verse is saying. As children of God, the Spirit in us takes our broken, often hard-hearted, confused prayers and lines them up with God's will so that when an answer comes, you know it's God's will. Now, here's something perhaps, and I'm going to say this perhaps because I'm wrestling with something in this scripture that I've been a long time. And perhaps I'm only for the first time in my life starting to understand it. But what I'm about to say again as I continue with this, you're going to need to go and test again scripture. But take a look at this. We know these verses, right? John 14, 13. Jesus says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Right? Familiar verse. God says, Jesus says, I'll do whatever you ask, right? Here's the next one. John 16, 23. In that day, Jesus said, you will no longer ask me for everything, for anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Now, here's the thing. Both of those scriptures are in the context of the coming of the Spirit after Jesus has been raised from the dead. Now, let me be honest with you. Those two verses confuse me no end. You know why? 
Because the Lord does not give me everything that I ask in Jesus' name. And I'll make a little bit of a hedge bet here this morning to say that God does not give you everything that you ask for in Jesus' name. Anybody get everything they ask for? Put up your hand. If you put up your hand, you, I'm coming to see you at the end there. No, I mean, if, if, you, if you get everything you ask for in Jesus' name, please speak to me afterwards because I need to know what you're doing that I'm not doing. And I think one of the most unhelpful things at times, even heretical things to say, is God doesn't give you what you ask for because you don't have enough faith. Now, there is an element, a smidgen of truth in there somewhere, but no Christian ever receives everything that they ask for. But here's the thing. Now, listen to me. If the Spirit is praying according to the will of the Father... The Father always gives what the Spirit asks. See, the Father will never say no to his, his Spirit because the Spirit knows us. The Spirit knows the Father. So if the Spirit is praying according to the will of the Father, then whatever the Spirit is praying, that is what the Father always answers. Okay, as I said, we're in deep waters, unfathomable. Your mind might be out there somewhere. Let me try and... Let me try and make it this as practical as I can because I think the implications are staggering. Let's say we're praying for someone. Let's take a brother or sister in Christ that has got cancer. Perhaps even little Joshua, age four. We pray and pray and pray for healing, don't we? Or we pray and pray and pray that God will use the medication and the chemo to work through in and everything to bring everything to remission, example, etc. Hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of prayers go up. And the brother or sister dies. What do we normally say? The Lord has said no to our prayers. It wasn't according to his, his will. That's what we say. In another situation, the brother or sister is instantly healed or the medication brings about the remission and we praise God and we say, God has answered our prayers and that was according to God's will. But what has happened? In both cases, we prayed not knowing what? We didn't know what the Father's will was. We didn't know whether it was to be healed or not healed or whatever. But the Spirit prayed according to the will of the Father. And the Father answered the Spirit because the Spirit knows the will of the Father. So to put it like this, in one case, the Spirit prayed, Father, this is not your will. This is not your We might be praying, Lord, please heal. The, Father, the Spirit is going, this is not your will. And the Father answers the Spirit. In the other case, the Spirit prayed, Father, this is your will to be healed. And the person is healed. In both cases, the Father's will was done. In both cases, the Spirit intercedes for us to the Father. In both cases, the Father has answered the Spirit. I think we're starting to get close to what, that this is the truth. This is what is going on here. Because remember again, John 14, 13, John 16, 23. Again, Jesus says, you will have whatever you ask in my name because it's in the context of the coming of the Spirit. So let me put it another way. As children of God, we always get what we pray for. 
Because every time the Spirit is praying for us, the Spirit is lining up our half-hearted, broken, misdirected, not knowing what the will of the Father is. The Spirit lines it all up. And the Father is answering according to the Spirit who lives in us, who knows us, knows what we need, and the Spirit knows the will of the Father. The praying Spirit who prays in you and for you before the Father. You know what it means? What it also means is that we don't have to be always trying so desperately to figure out what the Lord's will is. When it's not clearly revealed, when we're not sure what to do, we don't have to agonize and bend ourselves so out of shape. We can come before our Father who loves us so deeply. We, 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 we don't know how to pray. We don't know what His will is, but we can trust the Spirit will pray for us according to the will of God. And therefore, the Father will answer. It doesn't mean that we won't be disappointed. It doesn't mean that we won't be heartbroken. It doesn't mean we won't lament if we don't get what we prayed for. It doesn't mean we won't get heartbroken if the very opposite happens to what we've prayed. But we can take deep comfort from the truth, knowing that the Spirit has, He has prayed for us. He has interceded before the Father. And he's lined up our prayers. So let me try and bring it all together. I know this is perhaps a little bit on the heavy side. The comforting spirit. Have a look at this verse. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. How does the Father comfort us in all our troubles? Well, the answer is what we've already seen. Let me just bring it together. John 14, 16. And I'll ask the Father, and He'll give you another advocate, a comforter, to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Some of your translations, if you look at that word in verse 16, advocate, sometimes the, it's a Greek word, parakalesis. It means to come alongside. Uh, advocate is not a bad translation. Sometimes it's, it's translated helper. I think comforter is a really good word because what the word perichalasis means, it's someone who comes alongside to comfort. And so Jesus is saying, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another comforting helper to help you and be with you forever. Here's... Why you can face 2024 confidently this morning. If you've put your faith, Romans 8 verse 4, if you've put your faith in the one who has come in the likeness of sinful man 
to be a sin offering for you. And the one whom God then raised from the dead. If you've put your faith in Jesus, Christ has put an engagement ring in your heart. And with that promise, he promises to take you into glory, to culminate the marriage. And one day you will see him face to face. But this spirit, as we wait, the spirit indwells us, giving us utter comfort that Christ is with us always, ever, in everything, no matter where it will be. And this spirit is a spirit that prays for us to the Father, lines up our wills with the Father's will. And if the Spirit in us prays for us according to the God's will, that's how you know that in everything God works for the good of those who love Him. But you need to come back next week for that. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. May you know something this morning of the deep, deep comfort of God through his indwelling spirit who prays, intercedes constantly for you according to the will of the Father. I'll ask the gathering team to come and lead us.